0: You are listening to a special pre-recorded episode of The Four Persons Show. Though we will not be taking live calls tonight, we want to answer any questions or comments you may have. Drop us a line at email at thefourpersons.com.
1: Welcome to The Tangled Knot with Deb Rojas. With the help of our Heavenly Mother Mary, undoer of knots, Deb seeks to help us untangle the knots we find and often cause in our own lives. Deborah Rojas, MS, is a psychotherapist and mental health counselor at Integrity Counseling Services. A graduate of Divine Mercy University, Deborah utilizes a variety of approaches within a Catholic Christian framework, depending on the needs of the client. These approaches include cognitive behavioral therapy, internal family systems, emotion-focused therapy, forgiveness therapy, person-centered therapy, gestalt techniques, and narrative therapy. She specializes in women's issues, relationship trauma, spiritual trauma, physical and sexual trauma, anxiety and depression and grief and loss. She also works with priests, pastors, and seminarians, drawing from her background of over 20 years of working in both Protestant and Catholic churches. For more information about Deb and Integrity Counseling, please visit them at IntegrityCounselingPA.com. Once again, the address is IntegrityCounselingPA.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Deb Rojas. Welcome
2: to the Tangled Mets. Yes, tonight we have a special guest, and I'm looking forward to introducing her. Um, We're also going to be talking about friendship and the effects of friendship on mental health, um, the benefits. Um, But I'm really excited to introduce Claire to you first because Claire is the director of The Catechesis of the Good Shepherd program at Saint John the Baptist Parish in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. And when I first heard about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, I was really excited because it's a just a brilliant way to bring young people along in the faith. So, Claire, um, if you want to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, what CGS is.
3: Sure. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, I am a mother. I have ten children of my own, and um, I c- came to know about CGS, Catechus of the Good Shepherd, um, when I stumbled across it for my own children. And um, <clears throat> the first time anybody watches this in action, you know, I think I think a- anybody and everybody is impressed. It's uh, it's a completely different way of approaching catechesis. And, um, you know, the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, I need this. Like, not only do my children need this, but I need to understand what is <laughs> going on here. This is mm-hmm. really, really special. And so, um, so I've been involved in one way or another, um, mostly through assisting uh, while my own children were, were going through this program and then um, getting trained to be a catechist myself. So, mm-hmm. Um, I've had the, our, our own atria at, um, St. John the Baptist for about almost three years now. And, um, I guess it's, uh, gosh, there's so much to say about CGS. Um, well, you a word
2: that we may not, um, be familiar with too, uh, atria.
3: Okay. So, um, yeah I'll speak to that the The room that the catechesis happens in we don't call it a classroom. we call it an atrium hmm. and um and a the atrium it was it was developed by an Italian scripture scholar, and she saw the this way of catechizing children was as a way of preparing them to enter. More deeply into the mass mm-hmm. and also just the life of the church, mm-hmm. and so the atrium is the physical space outside of the church, sort of like a um, the welcoming in- area, in- mm-hmm, an in-between space, and so right. the children go into this space. It's not a classroom. It's almost more like a chapel or something like this, where they um, they it's a prayerful space. Mhm. And that's that's why she calls it she called it an atrium. So I was really impressed um,
2: when I finally visited yours. hmm On how it really is a space
3: set apart. Yes. It it is. And and um part of the reason that we do that with the children is so that they can understand that um that math is a time and a space set apart. It's sort mm-hmm.
0: of
3: helping them to get ready to enter into that space that it you act differently there and, and um, we teach them reverence and mm. sort of composure, right? Self-composure and mm-hmm. how to enter into this space. It's not just, a, you know, another building. It's not just another another a regular time in mm-hmm. the classroom.
2: Yeah, it's not Sunday school per se. Can you explain right. to Fred how you have yours
3: set up? Yes, um so there's two kind of critical components that's and and one of them is that this is done in a montessori um as, through the Montessori method, and mm-hmm. so you don't have classroom you don't have desks and chairs. what you have instead is uh Materials that that the children hold and and work with. Mm-hmm. So if, if I don't know if Fred, if you're familiar with Montessori teaching at all,
0: a little bit. I uh, I remember years and years ago, my my little baby sister went through Montessori method.
3: Okay, and so it's um, Maria Montessori uh, recognized that children learn better when all of their senses are involved, when they can move Mm -hmm. their body, right? When they have something Mm -hmm. they can hold and touch. And um, which, of course, corresponds really beautifully to the way that the church has catechized forever. I mean, you go back (laughs) and you look at the early church, and Mm -hmm. if people today were to learn about how the people were catechized in the early church, they'd probably be scandalized because it was, you know, there weren't books. There wasn't a catechesis, a um, per se that was written up and you ask a question and they memorize the answer. Mm-hmm. It was, um, it was very physical. It was very infleshed. It was, um, I mean, certainly they, they studied scripture, but, um, uh, it was a lot more, uh, sort of the full human experience than mm-hmm. how we think of it today. And so I think the Montessori method lends itself to that.
2: The way that you have the atrium set up, the Montessori method basically takes all of these beautiful chausubles and um special tools that mm-hmm. you use for the mass and and creates a miniature
3: of them right right so the That's two cool. pillars yeah, it's very cool it is <laughs> it, we, it is, we, is we,
2: incredibly it is incredibly cool
3: right the um we we teach the children to read scripture and meditate on scripture, and then we also teach them um, different aspects of the mass. So that when they go to church with their parents, they go to mass and they look up to the altar and they see the priest wearing the chasuble. Mm-hmm. They are familiar. They know the name of it. They mm-hmm. um, they learn the articles of the mass. What how is the altar prepared? What's a ch- you know a chalice? What's a paten? And so when they recognize these things, we have all these things in miniature, and they they get to touch them and hold them and prepare them and manipulate bird. them, and yeah, uh-huh. right. Then they can go into mass, and they see things that they recognize, and they mm-hmm. know what they yeah. are standing for and what they're
0: being used for.
3: It's really it's remarkable.
0: So I have it's a really question fun. for you, Claire. If mm-hmm. I might. Um. I think that one of the problems we have now is that um, sitting still and listening to someone talk or, or writing on a paper, that sort of thing, often puts little boys at a disadvantage, you know, because mm-hmm. we mature a little bit slower than just a tiny little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Don't
0: don't go with that. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, how do little boys do with uh, with this method of catechesis?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, they love it. (laughs) I
0: believe it. The short answer.
3: Yeah, we do a presentation to the children at the beginning or or sometimes in the middle. It's a very short presentation. So they do sit and listen for a short bit, but they're Mm -hmm. in the atrium for two hours, and the majority of that time the children are allowed to go and choose their own work. They, they carry their work to either a, a table where they can work on it or like a mat on the ground hmm. and they're they're using their bodies to work with with uh, materials and the boys do great you know it's it's mm-hmm. um they're quiet they're focused they're attentive but they but they're not still if
2: that mm-hmm. makes sense
0: mm-hmm
3: you're not requiring them to do something their body does not naturally do. That's exactly right. 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 So they love it.
0: hmm So I was uh, reading recently, uh, as usual, I've started this book and not finished it, but I was reading the book mm-hmm. by Cardinal Sarah mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Silence. Is that right? Silence hmm the And uh, he says um, being silent is different from not making noise. Mm-hmm. Like it's maybe it's a requirement that you not be making noise before you can enter into silence, mhm, but I think yeah that's um, wonderful. in the m- several different parishes that I have uh visited and been in um there seems to be a lot of noise you mm-hmm. know it doesn't seem like people are focused on on the Eucharist um and there doesn't seem to be a lot of um well, anyway, there doesn't seem to be silence. and I think silence is like really essential to the mass in some sense so well, yeah. mhm to concentration right mm-hmm.
3: and you should, you and, should and be... a... go ahead mhm and a, and um listening mhm right mm-hmm. so one of this one of the, uh one of the short scripture passages that we teach the children in form of a song because we sing a lot. Is be still and know that I am God.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And if you're so busy and mm-hmm. you're busy on the inside,
0: right mm-hmm.
3: on the inside and the outside, that you can't be you can't be still enough to to listen to God. That that's what we're striving for with the children in the atrium. And you can be working. I mean, you think about. Um, all the different orders who work throughout the day but they're internally they're still and they're listening to the spirit
1: mm-hmm.
3: and and so that is a crucial part of what we're teaching the children in the atrium it's that sort of inner stillness that we can achieve, that we must achieve we can mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. can people underestimate children mm-hmm. all the time children can be quiet they can be still which like you said is different from just sitting still
1: mm-hmm.
3: right. so claire can you it's tell a- Fred the age that you were working with the day
2: that i came to visit
3: yes so level one has children that are three to five years old
1: oh. and
3: people are shocked i've had people come and, and watch mm-hmm. and say my child could never do this how have you done this how are your <laughs> children doing this but it's the it's the method makes it possible mm-hmm. and you can't I mean they don't come in they don't come in on the first day able to do this. Mm-hmm. But by mid year you've trained them to be able to do this. These little people three, four, five years old, come in, quietly choose their work, focus. This two hours of being mm-hmm. doing still and quiet work. It's possible. We just we need to um, change how we view the children and what our expectations of them are, because mm-hmm. they can live up to those expectations.
2: They can live up to those expectations, and we can learn from them.
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> you know, as we watch them so readily absorb all of this, this wonderful experience that you provide for them. Yes. Um I was really particularly interested in how you helped prepare them for Holy Week. Could you give us a brief example of an activity, perhaps, that you did with them that helped them um, really engage with one of the, the masses during the Triduum?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, well, one of the things that we do is we just talk about the liturgical year in general. Um, we have a little, a circular um A, a color couple. wheel. <laughs> yeah, that shows um, in different colors, and the colors coordinate with the, chas- the color of the chasuble that the priest is wearing. Mm-hmm. So i you features. know, go to mass, mm-hmm. look and see. Right, so we've got um, a, a little square for each Sunday, and what we teach them to go around the circle, and you can see, you know, these purple squares are how many Sundays are in on Lent, and these green squares are how many Sundays are in, you know, the, we call it the growing season or ordinary time. So first we just get them familiar with that. And then as we get closer to different um, holy days, then we prepare them in different ways. So getting ready for for um, Holy Week, I might show them, uh, we have a, a a big map, like a 3D map of the city of Jerusalem. Hmm. And the children can sort of take it apart and put it back together again. And it shows the different places where Jesus was taken. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, when they go and they hear the readings, they have, you know, a A mental map, Mm -hmm. a mental map of, you know, he's taken to the house of Caiaphas and he's taken here and he's taken there. And, um, they, they, they see it; it's very real. I also have a photograph of what the city of Jerusalem looks like today. And so, you know, another thing that it does is it shows them that Jesus is a real person who mm-hmm. lives in a real place. Cool. Uh, it's not—he's not just this, you know, some idea, some sort of fable or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and yeah. That's so—that's one thing that I would do to prepare them mm. for Holy Week. That's beautiful.
2: And as you prepare them, I'm sure you also have an element of preparation that you go through. Oh, my goodness. In the mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: because, you know, whatever is good for a child is good for us.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And you and I were talking Whatever's about that recently, edifying, weren't we? Right? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever is edifying for children is edifying for adults. If mm-hmm. we can just be humble and allow ourselves to recognize that truth. I mean. Children are are living parables. Jesus said, unless you become like of the little ones, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's such a beautiful way to um, spend time as an adult to see this is really how I should be
1: mm-hmm.
3: approaching these things with this, mm-hmm. this openness and this receptivity. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a gift for the adult for- as well. So
2: you are teaching and training them by example, but you're also being taught by their example.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Fred, do you have anything that you wanted to ask Claire?
0: Yeah, how much does it cost?
3: (laughs) (laughs) For yourself or for your children?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's the cheaper option? (laughs) No, Uh, joking aside... uh, yeah, like how much would it cost to bring it into a parish and set up a program?
3: Um, well, that's a really good question. It's um the the catechists go through really extensive training. Um mm-hmm. so it's not terribly expensive to get trained, but it does take a lot of time. Right. So maybe like $600. It it varies, but approximately $600 to get trained to do
0: mm-hmm.
3: one level. So that would be like three to five-year-olds, level one. And there are three levels. It goes all the way up to 12 12 years old. Um, I would say the commitment is more the time than the money. Mm -hmm. Um, A parish would need to commit a space, which I think is hard a lot of times for parishes to do, to say you can have this dedicated space because it's not books that you can kind of pack up in a closet. You've got Mm -hmm. all these materials sitting out that... I have seen some some places will kind of tuck the shelves up. They'll put them on wheels and kind of roll them up out of the way, so you can use the room for something else. Um, the materials are supposed to be handmade, something mm-hmm. sort of like painting an icon. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be prayerfully prepared by the the catechist, and that huh. can take some time. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Interesting.
3: Some things can be purchased. But usually, even when you purchase, uh, let's say, a, the wooden puzzle I was talking about, that it's the liturgical year, it comes to you pr- maybe just um, unfinished, but you still have to paint it the colors. So there's a little, there's always a little bit of preparation that goes into it. So um, it's not easy. I, it's not easy. It's not, and that's one of the reasons why some people, some parishes shy away from it, mm-hmm. is it takes a lot of time and effort but it's so it's so far superior in my opinion mm-hmm. than a book mm-hmm. it's, it's it's god's pedagogy you know mm-hmm. it's the pedagogy of the church
2: we it's live by
3: being it. by being yes. and living with
2: the liturgy like actually living it not just learning about mm-hmm. it but really being mm-hmm. immersed in it and being transformed by it
3: yes yes so um, it is. there is a big commitment there, but it's so, so totally worth it. I was speaking to a catechist at um, another parish about an hour north of Philadelphia, and she was saying that there were um, just a handful of young adults who kept coming to church after they... Um, you know, after they were confirmed and then they mm-hmm. went off to high school and college and whatnot. And the kids, you know, all they all stopped coming to church. But there was this handful of young adults that kept coming. And she went back and looked through their files um, because they had received all their, their sacraments at this parish. And the kids, the young adults that kept coming back, had all gone through catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Mm. It works. Oh. It works, you know. Wow.
0: You have like uh, statistics, or does someone have statistics on that sort of stuff?
3: I don't, I don't know actually. I'm, I've never really um, looked for it. I should probably look We have look fair it word up, for but... it. <laughs> I'll take your word for yeah. it. <laughs> I saw, you know, I mean, like I said, I'm first and foremost a mom, and I mm-hmm. just saw the effect it had on my children, and um, I could say just from my own personal experiences. They enter into the life of the church in a way that. Because mm-hmm. they understand it, you know, and because it um, speaks to their humanity. It's mm-hmm. the um catechesis that they're receiving.
0: Is there something for kids who uh, graduate? What do you do with kids that come out the other end?
3: Well, it's interesting that you say that because um, I kind of have this dream of what I want to do at, mm-hmm. at our own parish mm. because my children. When they turned 12 and it was time for them to move on, they didn't want to. They loved the program so much. They would mm-hmm. kind of hang back and they would do like one more year of level three when they were 13. And then I have teenagers now who uh, they come back and they assist me in level one
0: mm-hmm.
3: with the three to five-year-olds. So that's one thing that the children could do is they could go back to level one and they can assist, which, of course, every you know everybody knows this. When you teach something, you learn it better. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? But the other thing that I think would be wonderful, and I want to try to develop this at our parish, is to um, teach the older children how to make the material, teach them how to use a sewing machine mm. and make little tiny chasuables, teach them mm-hmm. how to do the woodworking and make the wooden materials, and, you know, prayerfully enter into that work, and then, as a gift, right, giving of ourselves, make the work. And then pass it on to an atrium. So I think there's room there for um, for the older kids to continue on in the work in a, in a, another way.
0: Hmm. A, a lot of times what seems to happen is that kids go through whatever their catechesis is, and then they get confirmed, and that's considered to be like a finish line, and then exactly. we don't see them anymore.
3: Right. Yeah, it's a it's a tragic it's a tragedy really mm-hmm. when it happens.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
3: Hmm. But I think, you know, I've had a lot of conversations. We have Knights of Columbus at our parish, we had a lot of conversations about that specifically. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying, How do we keep the kids? You know, how your teenagers are coming by wives every and I said, You have to worry about it before they're mm-hmm. fifteen. It's too it's late. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're not engaged if they don't feel compelled to come to mass, at that point you, it's too late. You like give them over to the Holy Spirit. You know, give mm-hmm. them to our lady, Like they're gonna have to work it out some other way. I said, what you need to do is you need to think about them when they're three years old, yep. and engage them in a way when they're tiny, so that and then and all the way through, so that by the time they turn, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, they're totally engaged in the life of the church. Mm-hmm. And they don't see it as a graduating per se. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Within the context of that education, they learn that God loves them and that their place actually is the church. Right. It's not. They're not just checking off a box to escape catechesis. But this is home. right This okay. is where. This okay. is where I belong. Um, it reminds me of a, a friend who who took her two year old to to adoration, and um, you know they were sitting there in the church, and, and she was praying quietly, and the two year old was very excited to see Jesus, and so he went up near near the tabernacle and pointed, and he, mommy, 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 here's Jesus, and then Jesus is my
3: friend.
0: Aww.
3: Aww. Yeah. That's what we that's what they need to learn. And then mm-hmm. so when when this was um developed by Sophia Ca Cavalletti, uh over thirty years she worked with another woman. She was a scripture scholar and the other woman was Montessori trained educator.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
3: presented um different scripture passages to the children and they watched to see how the children responded. Mm-hmm according to their what Montessori called sensitive periods. So, mm-hmm. you know, a three-year-old is going to respond totally differently to something than uh, a 10-year-old. seven-year-old. Yeah. And yeah. a seven-year-old, right. And so the littlest ones responded to parables and other scripture passages that um, made them feel that they were in a loving and safe mm-hmm. relationship with the good shepherd, which is why it's mm-hmm. called cataschesis with so the good shepherd. And at that age, I'll just tell you a funny story that kind of demonstrates it. They they um, presented the story of the prodigal son to mm. these youngest children, the three to five years old. And the, their sensitive period is for relationship and um, a need for safety and mm-hmm. order. It was like some of the biggest ones that the, right and, and where so trust is developed in that particular age. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. at that, that age, exactly. And so. They they tell the children about the prodigal son. They tell the, the scripture passage, they, and um, the little ones' response was, oh, what happened to the pigs?" That's <laughs> and they were kind great. of confused, like, "What are we talking <laughs> about? That the pigs? He was supposed to take care of those pigs and keep them safe, and he just left them." And the, the, You know, the prodigal part is completely lost on them. <laughs> so, you know, they save that for the older children. But the good shepherd who, who calls his sheep by name mm-hmm. and he keeps them safe so, mm-hmm. so much so that he would lay his life down mm-hmm. for the sheep, that the three-year-olds got. It resonated with their hearts. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the good shepherd loves me. He's going to keep me safe. You know, as you ask the children, you read them the scripture passage, and you say, what did you hear? And, we, and, and, mm-hmm. and they'll say, um, they don't follow a stranger's voice because they don't recognize his voice. Mm-hmm. You know, they understand that. They understand mm-hmm. about being safe and not following a stranger. It speaks so deeply to them. Mm-hmm. And that's the foundation you know, you don't even introduce um, moral ideas, the you know, mm-hmm. sense of morality, until they get that relationship. <laughs> that relationship, that, that
2: love, that friendship, that mm-hmm. loyalty.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: The safety factor that you were talking about. hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's like any discipline, right? It doesn't work if the person doesn't feel like they're part of that family or that team.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right they have to feel loved mm, they have mm. to be convinced that they're loved
0: right
2: for discipline to work you know that's a great segue into talking about friendship and um and i'm glad that you're part of this conversation claire because you're one of my dearest friends and yeah. uh yes and it's just it's, god is gifted it's really been such a gift the past few years just to, to call you friend um You know, safety is definitely a factor. You know, a friend is one we know we can trust. Um, A friend is also one who we love because we choose to. It's not like family where it's, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of love of obligation. Um, And it's definitely not like a romantic love, although friendship can lead to a romantic love. Um, And I like how C.S. Lewis talks about true friendship as being the least jealous of all Mm -hmm. the love like it's a very very secure love um and so i was thinking about friendship in the context of mental health Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the context of our culture where um, we have all of these illusions of connection Mm
3: -hmm.
2: with social media and um and entertainment and the the feeling with everybody having their own phone the feeling of connection to a degree Mm-hmm. Uh, but not necessarily the the presence of real relationships.
0: So what is lacking? What's lacking in a virtual friendship? Proximity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Often,
2: right? Um, well, Claire was
0: talking about uh, using all the senses for mm-hmm. kids to learn, but I think I mean we don't lose that as adults, you know. Mm -hmm. So, that sense of particularity, right? Mm -hmm. That you can be friends with someone, but you don't really feel like you know them. You're not really full-on friends until you have seen them Mm -hmm. and know what they look like. Mm -hmm. Which seems kind of strange to me.
2: Except that love has a face Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and a name. And we know that ultimately is Jesus. Mhm. But we have that mirrored in um in our friendships and our relationships with each other. Um, and Jesus didn't stay remote.
0: Right. He uh right. He, he entered into the physical life, right, as a human mm-hmm. being.
3: Into the ordinary. Mhm. You know, and I was thinking about this um, actually during during Lent, is Jesus went, like, so he came to us, you know, right, incarnate, in flesh, but he also, as he was living on this earth, he he walked all over the place, you know, mm-hmm. he went to people. He, If someone was sick, he would go to them. Mm-hmm. And he's God, you know, he could snap his fingers. <laughs> I mean, I, right, and it, yeah. I let it be so. But he went. That's right. But he went to them. Mm. I think that's huge. He and when you consider how much
2: people, how much walking he did in that going as well. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't just walk next door. Mm -hmm. He walked across a
3: country, right? And touched people and ate Mm -hmm. with them and.
0: Yeah, literally, physically mm-hmm. touch people.
2: Physically right, touch right, exactly. hmm So there's yeah, and you know, like family obviously has lived for the most part in close proximity. Um, but you know, going back to friendship and and loneliness and mental health factors, you know, mm-hmm. I often find with clients that they don't have many friends or any friends. Mm -hmm. And um, there's often uh, a real lack of of connection and support and intimacy. And so in thinking about what friendship offers to us that contributes to our overall overall well-being, you know, that, that witness, that knowing and being known. I loved and accepted in that.
0: Yeah, it's really profound um, in the sense that uh, we talk about the good, the true, and the beautiful. But uh, Mm -hmm. Father Spitzer talks about another sort of um, transcendental Mm -hmm. universal quality, which is uh, home. One of the times he calls it home. And I think what he means by that is that sense of being loved and accepted. Mm
2: -hmm. I wonder if that's the same as unity. I think I've also heard that referred to as unity.
0: I don't know. That's a good question because unity can be very, very abstract. You know, if you're talking about uh, the the philosophical point of view, Mm -hmm. they literally mean one instead of zero. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But does that mean, because we are, Differentiated, right, from God
2: mm-hmm. and from each other.
0: And from each other. So I do not know. It's a short answer, Deb, but it's a good question. <laughs> How does that relate? So yes, home. Go back, know.
2: To, go back to home. Sorry, go home, ahead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the fact mm-hmm. that, uh and, and really, you know, we were talking last week, I think, was it on this show or on, on counseling? But we were talking about the love of a father, right? And kids mm-hmm. need the love of a father. But there are many people who do well despite having been deprived of that love of a father. Mm -hmm. What is really more basic is the love of God, Mm -hmm. right? Because our fathers are are human and they have Mm -hmm. failings. They have to go to work. They're not there every hour of the day when we might feel like we need them. Or some of us have fathers who let us down in a big way, you know, Mm -hmm. and yet we can still flourish as human beings. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because what is more real is the love of God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it's what. Yeah, go on.
2: What helps us to be able to accept the love of God, though, mm-hmm. in our in our own human formation?
0: Well, can I step one step back and say why is it difficult to accept the love of God? Sure.
2: What do you think, Claire?
3: <laughs> wow, I have a lot of thoughts.
2: Claire, what
0: about unity?
3: I would say. I mean. God, I think that God wants us to be His hands and feet, and so mm-hmm. the way that we learn that God loves us is by loving each other. And so,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and so, I I, I think it's you, we have to be careful to say, like, um, especially of course, I'm I have a mother's heart, and I'm always dealing with little people, and mm-hmm. um, little people literally need their father's love. Literally, to Mm -hmm. to be any in any way okay. It's a Mm -hmm. true need that that um, we have been made. It's like anthropologically we need, Mm -hmm. and so there's a wound there, and certainly God can heal any wound. um, But if 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 you're really lacking in a father's love, um, that's you're you're not really going to be okay. Per se, you know, sort of like on the natural level, and a, a serious um, thing. hmm it's, yeah, it's a serious wound. thing, right? And so, um, so you know, I, we are created to to live. We need each other, literally need each other to be to be healthy, even physically.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, you know, if 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 we're lonely and we're stressed. We have high levels of cortisol, and mm-hmm. high levels of cortisol makes you physically ill. This is like mm-hmm. a real thing. It, you know, it's not just like a some ethereal sadness. It's um, because we are um, our bodies also. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, friendship can go a long way in in healing whatever wounds we may have that, mm-hmm. that love that we may have been lacking at some point in our life. Um. Um. But I think you know you were talking about the devices that mm-hmm. we, right, that we feel like we have this friendship. Um. It's a funny thing. Just when we're saying like, "Be still and know that I am God,"
2: mm-hmm. when we
3: are just still and receptive, and we're just we're just with God, and maybe we we have a silent, pray- a wordless prayer. I think that that relationship. That kind of just being with is really hard to do with the device. Who, why would you call someone on the phone and not talk?
0: <laughs>
3: yes. Right? That would be stupid. Mm-hmm. But, but your friend, come, come to my house, have a meal. You could have a whole meal and not talk. You could go sit in front of the fireplace and not have a word. And yet that, that time together
2: mm-hmm.
3: is priceless. Yeah,
2: I think I was at your but house you're, for two hours and how how much did I actually talk to you? <laughs> not a <what>. lot.
3: <laughs> and yet that deepened our friendship, right? Absolutely. So I think that's one thing, mm-hmm. that that like friendship on a device is weird. It's like it doesn't really have this. Um, disjointed. And it's also, it it's always has to be productive. You always have to be doing a thing, talking mm-hmm. or texting it's, it's or in, or exchanging information or... Mm-hmm. But not just being. So
2: well, yes, that's it right there. You just nailed it. It's it lacks the ability to be. hmm so, And fundamentally, we you. are we are beings.
0: hmm So we want to I'll say hello you. to uh, Ed, Sean, and Cassie listening from Catholicism Rocks. Hi guys, welcome.
3: Yeah.
2: Thank you.
0: I wanted to ask you guys uh, another question about friendship. Um, If friendship is um, being with someone who has things in common with you and Mm -hmm. for whom you wish the best, then how can you uh, be friends with God, right? Because isn't that the ultimate friendship? But what do you have in common with God and how can you wish the best for God?
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go, you go. Go.
0: Go.
2: You know, I was having a conversation with a friend today about God and the conversation had to do with, you know, is God a narcissist? Because God made us to love him. <laughs> and, you know, it was such a fun conversation because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously God can't, he, like a narcissist overblows their greatness, you know. God is, is, is ultimately the great. He is what defines great. He can't overblow mm-hmm. who he is. Um, and the thing that narcissists are all about themselves and building themselves up, God is about loving. And, and even in creating us is that there's that generative aspect of love. And so, you know, when we think of lover and beloved and God being the lover and us being the beloved and then also him giving us the capacity for that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: we in loving each other and in loving him specifically reflect him, the image of him that he has written in our hearts. And so we actually like realize who he has created us to be when we
3: are in and 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 live in that way.
0: Mm. hmm mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, I think we can say that we have something in common with God. hmm We do, because we are in mm-hmm.
2: in his image.
3: That's right. right.
2: Is that
0: what you're gonna say, Claire?
3: Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> That's right.
0: Before Deb so really <laughs> I'm, interrupted. I'm
2: sorry, I interrupted Excuse you. Me. No, not at all. Mm. We do. And we also have Although
0: sorry, go ahead, Deb, I
2: turn on my
0: campaign of
2: I know, I know. You wanna you wanna commandeer my show, I hear you.
0: Yeah. Please (laughs) go on.
2: No, we we do have we have his goodness. Like what do we have in common with God? You know, he's given us his goodness. So in Mm -hmm. a way we share that with him. Like what are some other things that we actually share with him? We share love. I mean, I'm just brainstorming. You guys can jump in.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Well, we, we are Please. co. Go on, Claire. What's that? No, no, We're no. Co- go creators. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. We're
3: co-creators. Uh huh. We are co-creators, right. right? Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And that and is we
3: enter. An expressive yeah, I mean, love. Yeah, we we become divinized, right? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and um, and we are the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go he is our head but right and we're we're on the vine together so that i mean it's really it's more than most people realize i think Mm
0: -hmm. yeah how do you become the body of christ
3: uh well i mean i'm just thinking scripturally you know if we remain in him and he remains in us this is
0: you know jesus
3: says remain in me
0: you have to, that's one of the, by the way, that's one of the verses that was uh, instrumental in my uh, conversion to the church. Oh, I'm going around asking people, uh, what does abide in me mean? What does he mean, abide in me? of <laughs> Reading your Bible, <laughs> the answer I got. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm influenced by uh, reading this Ratzinger book we're reading uh, for, our, um, for our lay Dominican group, our reading group. Um, a book by uh, Pope Benedict. What's the name of it, Deb?
2: It's a God. It's not God with us, but it's something like that. The God. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what is it?
0: Anyway, just like all of it, if you read anything by um, uh, our beloved late Pope Benedict, mm-hmm. it is uh, very rich. You know, it's a it's a dessert to read. Every sentence seems to be like a little jewel hmm so He talks about how uh, the Eucharist is the is the foundation of the church, right? It's by um receiving the Eucharist that all of us become like literally the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And anyway, he does a much better job than me. You'll be surprised to hear at explaining it. But um yeah. the he really spiritual Deb? <laughs> <laughs> the what Ted? <then? laughs>
2: yes, I'm sure he does.
0: Oh no, come on now. Um, uh, anyway, talking about particularity and physicality, right? Mhm,, Jesus is not just an idea, mhm, but our relationship with him is a physical one, mm-hmm. and uh, by God's grace, many of us get to receive that most every Sunday, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: yes, and so we can be friends with god and in in Christ very, very special friends with each other. We have a a bond through him that is powerful.
0: Yes, that is certainly true. So, C.S. Lewis talks about the four loves. I think you mentioned Mm -hmm. that earlier. And um, uh, let's see, what are they? Agape, storge is uh, affection, right? Mm -hmm. Feeling you feel for your little ones. Mm Mm-hmm. Phileos. Mm -hmm. Friendship, right? Friendship, Mm mm-hmm.
2: And Eros. And
0: and Eros, yeah. Mm -hmm. Romantic. So, do you have an idea, and uh, this is out of the blue, this is like totally random. (laughs) However, I want to (laughs) know. Do you have an idea? What differentiates storge, affection, that you feel naturally for your children, for example, and phileos, that uh, friendly love that you feel for a friend-friend, a classic friend.
2: Well, we all here have the benefit of being parents, and we all have the benefit of being friends. And just in that experience of the difference of those relationships, um, a few things stand out immediately. Um, The 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 child is an extension of ourselves, Um, we have a responsibility to love and care for them and a deep desire to love and care for them. Um, A friend is more of a a choice.
0: That is very interesting. I think that's really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Because yeah. when you have uh, a little a little one put into your arms, it's almost like you don't have a choice, right? It's almost a physical mm-hmm. well, their yeah.
2: survival literally depends on your care
0: mhm
2: right
3: yeah i i just I just heard recently something about the the flood of hormones that a mother receives during labor labor mm-hmm. and delivery. Mm-hmm. It's like a very specific bonding. Um, mm-hmm. hormone. So, what you're saying is, yeah, they, it almost is impossible not to have that right strong feeling of it's like it's in your body, literally. Mm-hmm.
2: And then, for a mother that, nursing, reinforces that bond. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, we do get to know ourselves in a certain way through <laughs> our children. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind yeah. of like mirrors of a sort, um, showing us all of the qualities about ourselves that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, in a different way, friends also show us ourselves.
0: Tell me more, Deb.
2: I'm wondering if Claire can, if that resonates with you at all, Claire.
3: Yeah, I mean... Yes, I think that any any friendship. yeah right, I think any relationship can really if we're honest mm-hmm. and we're receptive and slow down, right, then I mm-hmm. think that almost any friendship can teach us about ourselves, mhm, sort of in our um, our reaction to our friend and mm-hmm. right how they how we are affected by them and mhm.
2: So in that way, each friend has a unique ability to bring out different aspects of ourselves. Yeah. Which is why friendship is the least jealous of love. Friendship appreciates getting to know many different facets of a person, where romantic love is often very jealous of that intrusion.
0: Yeah, I was thinking earlier when Claire was talking about catechesis that really the, the primary catechist is the is the person who loves you. hmm you know? Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of the basis for counseling. Don't you think, Deb, like you can talk about all different theories and um, strategies and interventions, but it's really the relationship with the counselor that, that is the basis for any real positive change in that. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. I mean I, just thinking about all of the skills that I did not learn in um in school, but how strongly emphasized the therapeutic alliance was. The therapeutic what? The therapeutic alliance. Mm. Um being that, you know, the the establishing of the relationship
0: mm-hmm.
2: is absolutely essential and, and just they they threw out different statistics, but some of them were up to ninety percent of counseling being more about the strength of that relationship than about the techniques and the interventions used.
0: hmm mm-hmm.
3: I totally believe that, and and I can relate that to parenting. Mm-hmm. As, um, as as we went along, parenting all these children, my husband and I used to sort of take notes and have little sort of. Um, snippets of wisdom, you know, do this and do that, and this works well, and that's, that doesn't work. And, and we probably could write a book at this point. And somebody asked me, um, to help homeschool a young man who, um, was having trouble in school and also had some emotional problems because his parents basically abandoned him and lived with his grandmother. And, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, <laughs> A little naive here. I was like, "Oh man, I know all the t- t- tricks and techniques mm-hmm. <laughs> and all this." And he came, and we sat together, and I worked with them, and I and I did all the things that I do na- with my children, just very naturally. And he didn't respond in the same way. And I, I he could have knocked me over when I realized that the reason why all those things worked with my own children was because they were completely sure. That I totally loved them mm. unconditioned, unconditionally, mm-hmm. and this poor kid didn't matter what kind of you know effective whatever was effective with other kids didn't matter what I did if he didn't feel like he mm-hmm. was loved, loved, yep. not just lovable,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: loved, right? Not just like hey, you're lovable, but like I love you. Hmm. It wouldn't. It wasn't going to make a difference until he could feel that. He needed you know? to go
2: back to that zero to five development yep. to build trust yes. and know exactly.
0: that be safe. And the words are essential. You've got to tell people uh, that you love them, but they will be really hollow unless at some deep level they learn that it really is true.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: Right, and that I mean, I think that kind of goes back to the will you drive over here and sit next to me and mm-hmm. say nothing and do like are you willing to just be with me mhm that's that's that proximity, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll sit and waste I'll, I'll waste my waste you know quote air quotes, waste <laughs> time with you, <laughs>
0: mhm, mhm, yeah, okay, well, this has been a great show in my opinion. Um, and yours is mainly because uh, here. I have been here. <laughs> Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much, Claire, for being here. Uh, Thank you, yes, Deb, for doing Sure, that. it was my you know?
3: pleasure.
0: Remember that this is fun. a joint production of the renowned Four Persons Blog and St. Barnabas Reconciliation Ministries, mm-hmm. a nonprofit Catholic company dedicated to reconciling all family members to each other, mm-hmm. all Christian denominations to each other, and all people to God. How Do people get a hold of you, Deb, if they want to pass- um, oh, I yeah, know. I
2: will definitely pass that information along um before I do, if anyone's interested in learning more about uh Claire's program at St John the Baptist Catholic Church in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania. you can look up that parish. they have a great website and um also visit and go to mass on Sunday um you can find me at uh six one zero. Six zero one nine seven eight one or PA dot org, and um, or you can just look up Deb Rojas Catholic therapist and you will find me online. The
0: that one the, the only. Way.
2: <laughs> What's that?
0: The one the only. Uh-huh. And if like you uh, <laughs> anyone who wants help or information or uh, an appointment with Saint Barnabas, who we offer uh, counseling, mediation and uh life coaching please look up saint barn dot that's s t b a r n dot o r g remember to tune in tomorrow at seven and every uh evening every weekday evening at seven for more great uh information and programming on the four persons um podcast and especially on thursday because thursday, as you know is the best one of all. (laughs) That's when we do Uncounseling. Deb probably won't be there unless I can find some way to bribe her. But uh, that is my show, uh, Uncounseling Uncounseling, Thursdays at 7 when we talk about um, uh, the, uh, when I wax skeptical about counseling from a Catholic point of view, although it does a lot of people a lot of good and there are some fantastic Mm -hmm. counselors such as at uh, Integrity, uh, (laughs) such as Deb Rojas. Um, so thank you very much once again, and, uh, do get in touch with any questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you, uh, to reach the program. It's 515-602-9655. Claire, one more time, how do, how do people get hold of, uh, you and, or the, uh, catechesis of the Good Shepherd?
3: Uh, people could shoot me an email at finneganclaire at gmail.com, F I N. E-G-A-N-C-L-A-R-E gmail. No I in Claire and one N in Finnegan.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. This was really fun.
2: Oh, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for listening uh, live, our friends from Catholic Catholicism Rocks, and also um, for those who listen in the future. Um, may God bless you and Mary, undoer of knots, take our tangled mess. And make it right, we pray. Pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for us. us, All right.
0: Blessings.